what recourse do we have except to simply pursue this August 5th in the best manner possible? On this Blogger Day, I celebrate with another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast intended to shed light on various happenings in and around the area. I'm the writer and host, Sean Tubbs. What are you writing this day? On today's program, the former Commissioner of Revenue in Greene County has been sentenced to three months in federal prison for attempted witness tampering. Unemployment across the nation drops to pre-pandemic levels. Charlottesville seeks input on what kind of person should be the next police chief. Albemarle supervisors endorse a plan for improvements on Rio Road, but one member says that doesn't mean final decisions have been made. And Charlottesville City Council is briefed on the preparation for the budget for the next fiscal year. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, are you looking for something new to listen to in the form of live music? The Charlottesville Jazz Society has you covered with an ongoing list of dozens of events coming up at venues across the area. That ranges from rumba guitar duo Berta and Vincent at Glasshouse Winery this Saturday afternoon to the Charles Owen Trio at Potter's Craft Cider on Saturday, August 28th. The Charlottesville Jazz Society is your source to plot out your musical journey, and you can get started at seavillejazz.org. Thanks to one individual subscriber for being on both Patreon and Substack to qualify for this shout-out. The former Commissioner of Revenue in Greene County has been sentenced to three months in federal prison for intervening in an investigation of his son's drug distribution charges. Larry Snow, 73, pleaded guilty in May to one count of attempted witness tampering for trying to dissuade a confidential informant. Here's a section from the release from the United States Western District Court of Virginia. According to court documents, Larry Snow used his access as the former Commissioner of Revenue to a Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles database as part of an effort to retaliate against and tamper with the confidential informant, Person A, after Person A aided law enforcement in controlled purchases of methamphetamine and heroin from Bryant Snow. Specifically, the elder Snow sought to print out material identifying the informant for his son to use to intimidate and to discredit that person while incarcerated at Central Virginia Regional Jail. Snow resigned as Commissioner of Revenue in Green in May of 22, having been elected in 2019 while under indictment. There were 528,000 non-farm jobs added across the United States of America in July. That's according to the latest employment figures released this morning by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The unemployment rate is at 3.5%. Here's a section from the release that was sent out this morning. Both total non-farm employment and the unemployment rate have returned to their February 2020 pre-pandemic levels. The report also notes that the number of permanent job losers is now lower than in February of 2020. The phrase long-term unemployed is defined as those who were jobless for more than 27 weeks, and that figure is also below pre-pandemic levels. 
Other statistics in the release are worth noting. In July, 7.1% of the workforce continued to telecommute due to the pandemic. The labor force participation rate is defined as the percentage of the civilian non-institutional population 16 years and older that is working or actively looking for work. That figure was at 62.1% in July, lower than the February 2020 figure of 63.4%. The next employment numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics will be out September 2nd. How much experience should the next Charlottesville police chief have? What leadership qualities would you like to see? And what should the police department leader's top priority be? Those are some of the questions in a survey that the firm PolyHire is conducting as part of their contract to conduct a search for the next chief. The survey is open through August 15th and it is available in English and Spanish. The person hired will replace acting chief of police Latroy Durrett, who has been in the position since former city manager Chip Boyles filed Rochelle Brackney after three years on the job. Brackney sued the city and several individuals for race, color, and gender discrimination, as well as interference with contracts, unlawful retaliation, and violation of the state's whistleblower statute. According to a series of waivers filed in the case, all defendants have until 60 days after July 1st to respond to the case. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors has officially endorsed a plan that offers guidance for how future intersection improvements on Rio Road may look in the future. David Benish is the development process manager for Albemarle County. This is a planning level document that establishes a vision for improvements along the corridor with sufficient analysis uh, of the conceptual design to understand whether the proposed concepts um, can address existing and future conditions and can meet VDOT and other relevant engineering standards. The county hired the civil engineering firm Line and Grade to develop the plans. Supervisors were last briefed on the work last October, and the planning commission saw the draft in May. The work was split into two sections to reflect two different roadway characters. Dan Heyer is with Line and Grade. Phase one is very much an arterial roadway, five lanes, uh, a continuous dual left-hand turn lane in the middle, whereas phase two still resembles, uh, in many locations, uh, the local collector that that it is. It's very much a local road. Heyer said the work involved analyzing crash data, such as at the intersection of Hillsdale Drive and Rio Road. 89% of crashes at the location are left-hand turns. As such, recommended changes are to eliminate that movement at Hillsdale, as well as Old Brook and Northfield. And the solution that we have recommended uh, basically absolves all left-hand turn movements by replacing the two intersections with a singular dog bone or bean-shaped roundabout. Belvedere and Rio Road would be turned into a continuous green T intersection, and Albemarle has just applied for funding under SmartScale. A roundabout is funded at John Warner Parkway and Rio Road, and that will soon get under design. The second phase of the project is broken into three segments, with the northern one including two planned developments. The Board of Supervisors approved the 328-unit Rio Point apartment complex last December, and an application has been filed for a site development plan for 43 townhomes just to the south in a project called Rio Commons. That's what's known as a by-right development. And we think that if those developments can, can work with this plan, 
that the corridor can transform in, in a positive way and that some of the risks that we've identified can be mitigated through the, through the build, of, build out of these um, developments. Supervisor Ned Galloway of the Rio District was the lone vote against the Rio Point development last December. He said he was concerned about more people being in the area. As we improve the sidewalks and the access down to the parkway, we're only creating more pedestrian activity. Um, and that's going to get introduced into a vehicular piece, which is really going to be dangerous. So that I think we need to get our hands wrapped around that sooner rather than later. Galloway said his endorsement of the plan did not mean that he supported the specific recommendations included. He said there is a competing plan that would reroute Hillsdale Drive that would take away the need for that bean-shaped roundabout. We know that that intersection is incredibly problematic um, and needs a solution, um, but it just may not be the solution that's in the study. So if we vote to approve the study, doesn't mean we're necessarily voting to approve that project. As for phase two, Galloway said he would like to see more traffic calming to slow down the speed of traffic, similar to those bump outs on Park Street in the city of Charlottesville between the bypass and downtown. Galloway said he was grateful that staff was able to work to get this corridor study done. The vote to endorse the plan was unanimous, and it will now be considered as part of the update of the Albemarle County Comprehensive Plan, otherwise known as AC44. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon Guild shout-out, mark your calendar for the Rivanna Conservation Alliance's third annual Rivanna River Roundup, community watershed cleanup coming on Saturday, September 24th. The RCA organized the first roundup in September of 2020 as a safe way for the community to give back to the river during the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the last two years, a total of 245 volunteers have cleaned up 67 miles of streams, nearby trails, and the Rivanna River, removing 192 tires and 213 large bags of trash from the waterways. Details about the September 24th Roundup will soon be made available, and you can get those details by signing up for the Rivanna Conservation Alliance newsletter at rivannariver.org. The Rivanna Conservation Alliance gets this shout-out thanks to a $25 a month Patreon contribution. You can do that as well. Visit infoseville.com and click on the button Support the Info. Fiscal year 2023 is just over a month old, but the budget process in Virginia never really stops as local governments continue to seek ways to provide services. In April of this year, Charlottesville City Council adopted a nearly $213 million general fund budget that was 10 and 3 quarters percent higher than the one for the year before. That's built on increased assessments for both real estate and personal property, as well as a one-cent increase in the real estate tax rate, the first such since the 1990s. There are about 30 weeks until whoever is city manager in March of 2023 presents a recommended budget and 36 weeks until council is expected to adopt their amended document. Council got a briefing this past Monday and learned about some of the factors coming up. Will the budget continue to grow at a double-digit level or will it be more modest? 
How much will it cost to implement pay and benefit increases that may come through a collective bargaining ordinance? What about the cost of inflation? While the answers to these questions aren't yet known, the foundation is being laid for whatever will end up happening. At the end of August, city departments will be sent packets to request funds for capital projects, and these will be due by early October. There's going to be at least one change to that process this year. Here's Chrissy Hamill, the city's director of budget and performance analysis. We're going to include a planning commission member on the review team. Requests from nonprofits and outside agencies are due sometime in mid-October, and recommendations from the vibrant community team will be completed in mid-January. Also around that time will be another change to the budget process. It's called the City Manager Budget Forum. Uh, the date for this will be January 10th, and it will be held at Carver Recreation Center. This will be an opportunity for the city manager to make a presentation and to um, engage in public discussion. Hamill said the growth in the budget for next year is expected to be more modest than the 10 and 3 quarters percent increase from fiscal year 22 to fiscal year 23. She said she's also keeping an eye on inflation. We already know that there are cost increases um, that we're seeing um, both just in general things as well as capital projects due to supply chain issues and inflation. Um, we're we're not sure of what exactly what the revenue impact would be of a potential recession if there were to be one. There will likely be higher compensation costs for city employees due to collective bargaining, as well as a need to carry on the ongoing of positions that have been funded and started with one-time money. Between now and the budget adoption, council may have an updated strategic plan, paid for through the city's use of American Rescue Plan Act funding. Here is Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers. The time is ripe. You've got a lot on our plate, but it and, 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 and doing the uh, strategic plan right, we'll get a consultant who will do, uh, will engage you individually and collectively uh, over the next few months. And by the time we get to April, we ought to have uh, a new direction or at least some themes. City Councilor Michael Payne said he wanted to make sure there is funding to address a human resources phenomenon known as compression, as well as funding for climate action and for city investment in nonprofits to build subsidized housing. How can we get our adopted affordable housing plan and that $10 million a year into a more stable place in terms of expectations of how we'll fund it at $10 million a year, which is what the plan calls for? Payne also wants to make sure there is funding to invest in public transportation. Rogers said a compensation study is expected to be completed by the end of the year that will help with some of Payne's questions. That will tell us where we are uh, compared to other jurisdictions in the region in terms of our, our, our salaries. It will uh, define a competitiveness gap. The Fluvanna County Board of Supervisors were briefed on their compensation study this past Wednesday. Rogers said the August 15th council work session will feature a presentation of the collective bargaining ordinance, followed by a first reading on September 6th, with adoption currently anticipated on September 19th. And we expect that there will be a, a push to begin to recognize uh, collective bargaining units uh, after that. Another direction to budget staff is to re-examine a policy where 40% of new revenues created by additional real estate tax revenue goes to Charlottesville City Schools. 
Some on the current council have called for that agreement to be revisited, and Rogers said budget staff would look into it and begin preliminary discussions with the school system. And at some point, um, the council probably should have that meeting with schools to discuss, you know, uh, an issue like this. As for increased spending on public transit, Rogers said current planning by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District is relevant. A governance study for how to implement a proposed regional transit vision is about to get underway. The long-term play is probably the, the, the discussion about a regional transit agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are the dynamics that need to be in place for us to move that forward? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's been talked about a long time. The current calendar calls for the second public hearing on the budget to be held on April 3rd, 2023, and for adoption at a special meeting on April 11th. City Councilor Cena Miguel said she wanted to adjust the schedule so that the final public hearing does not happen during the week city schools are on spring break. And it's just one more way that it makes it harder for some people to serve on council. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said he would like to see the entire budget process moved up further so that council could have more influence on the process. The budget is introduced to the public the first week of every March. There are are uh, places, particularly in Northern Virginia, where council is involved in budget discussions by December. They're not waiting until February or March. And the practical effect of what we do is that our opportunity for actually commenting on things is compressed into about four weeks. Snook said he would like to see the budget introduced in early February. Rogers said he would look into seeing if that could be accomplished, but warned it would leave for no break at all for budget staff. Hamill suggested holding budget work development sessions more frequently. One such work session that comes to my mind is the one last September when council signaled its willingness to transfer a financial commitment for the West Main streetscape toward school reconfiguration. That gave staff direction as they built out the FY23 budget. Payne pointed out that Albemarle County has adopted their budget in May for the past two years. Rogers and Hamill said they would look into that and would return with more options for the fiscal year 24 budget development cycle. For all of my stories on the budget process in Charlottesville, visit information charlottesville at infoseville.com. But that's the end of this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement a program that is related to Information Charlottesville, but is the first place where you will read or hear all of these stories. Now, when will the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement be available? Good question. I can tell you there will be a week ahead that will come out on Sunday, as well as the Government Glance, which is a look at what's coming up in all of the localities across the new 5th District of Virginia. Reporting for today's installment included a lookup on the Public Access to Court Electronic Records System, or PACER, to learn a little more about that lawsuit filed by the former police chief. Today's search only cost me $2, but it's the kind of cost that is necessary to produce informational content that intends to keep you up to date. 
So if you'd like to support this program, which includes expenses like court reporting and web hosting, consider a paid subscription through Substack. If you do so, Ting will match your initial payment. And if you sign up for their services through a link in the newsletter, you'll get a free standard installation, your second month for free, and a $75 downtown mall gift card. Enter the promo code COMMUNITY for full effect. Music comes from the DC entity that currently goes by the name Vrocky, selected randomly from a bin of basement recorded cassette tapes. Now that I'm writing these things down, I sometimes forget to change them, and here it is in the copy, and I have just said it. But you can support Vrocky by purchasing their album Regret Everything for whatever you would like to pay. Now, off to prepare for a trip to a different location in which I will continue to produce a few more editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement even when I'm on vacation. That's because it is my pleasure to do this work, and I do hope you will help me support it, keep going for a long time to come. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I really do hope that you will send it on to somebody else so we can continue to grow the audience. I really don't know how to take time off, but I guess I shall try, and let's see how well I don't do. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.